It's so good to be here with you this evening. Just take a drink. For my first talk here at St. Dionys. And if you've been tracking with us over the past few weeks, you'll know that we're in a series together. We've been looking at the seven vital signs um, of a living thing, and today's theme is nutrition. We're going to be exploring together our need as humans to feed. Nutrition is essentially our fuel for living. It's the way that we're energised for life. It's the one vital sign of life that we actually have some control over. You can't wake up in the morning and think, oh, today I'm not going to breathe or move or excrete. But you can decide and have agency in how and what you feed yourself. I wonder today what your spiritual diet looks like. Now, if I open my snack cupboard and I find in there my favourite sort of popcorn, butter kiss, toffee, super sugary, and I can assure you there's not an awful lot that's going to distract me from wanting to sit down and munch through that bag of popcorn at the moment, particularly in front of an episode of The Crown, which Will and I are watching like addicts. And we can all find ourselves drawn towards things in life that feign to offer us meaning and nourishment a little bit like that bag of popcorn. They look substantial, but in reality, they're lightweight. There's not much to it. You could crush it down. There'd be absolutely nothing there, but a few of those little corns. You eat it, you're consuming it, you're consumed by it, and then an hour later, you're hungry again, cruising around looking for something else. The trouble with poor spiritual nourishment is that it can take a long time to realise that we're actually missing something essential and that as a result we're beginning to waste away. The Van der Hart fridge has got a whole shelf just dedicated to sauces. We've got ketchup, we've got mayonnaise, we've got dodgy kind of spicy garlic mayonnaise that we brought back from Holland, regret that choice. We've got at least three different varieties of mustard and even Judah who is four loves mustard. And I like to think this is because Will has sort of taught them these very uncouth eating habits of dousing everything in sauce. The reality is that I'm a really bad cook so everything needs dousing in sauce. And there's a myth that the world sells us that to be a well-rounded person, we need on the plate of life a whole bunch of different things. We need over here a portion of successful career. We need over here a slice of great marriage or relationship. Over here a generous helping of toned and beautiful body. Over here a sprinkle of idyllic house or perfect children. And Jesus, oh yeah, Jesus, yeah, he's like a dollop of ketchup on the side of the plate that just completes the meal. But here's the thing, Jesus isn't willing just to be the sauce on the side of your plate. He won't settle for that. In Matthew 6, 33, it says, Seek first the kingdom of God, and all these things will be added unto you as well. The call today is to make Jesus our bread, to make him the central feature on the plate of life. And when we do that, everything else can become like an optional source on the side. Today, I want to invite you to discover what it might look like to find full satisfaction in him, to stop craving the things that you know won't actually satisfy your soul, to find the one true eternal food that your soul needs. 
We're going to read together now from John 6, verses 35 to 37, and uh, encourage you to open that up in your Bible now. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me and still you do not believe. All those the Father gives me will come to me, and whoever comes to me, I will never drive away. So what does it mean then to do what Jesus says in those verses, to feed on him as our bread? And I want to suggest today that there are three different ways that we can feed on him. Firstly, we need to digest God's word. John describes Jesus as the word of God. In the beginning, he says, was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Jesus is this word. He's the living word. This is the record of his actions and his exact words when he was here on the earth. And if we want to get to know him, we've got to get into this book. And I don't just mean the secondary sources around this book, but I mean this very book itself. I've got this, and this is actually a new edition of the Bible that I bought in the summer. And my last one, literally the pages were just dropping out and I kind of reluctantly had to buy another one. But I spent a while researching and I've got this, um, this journaling edition and I can basically doodle and draw and note, annotate around the verses, which I love because it helps me hold on to them and remember what God has spoken through them. And I keep this uh, big old Bible right by my bed. This is what Rick Warren actually says that he does. He keeps it open by his bed. And then uh, when I wake up in the morning, what I try to do is the first thing in my day is to read a chapter. And uh, sometimes a child tries and comes and jump on me, um, or I'm tempted to go and pick up a mobile phone or switch on the radio. But I try to make the first thing that I consume this book. There are so many different ways that you could feed daily on the Bible. And I want to encourage you that next time you meet as a life group to have a chat together and ask one another, what are the best resources you found for digging into the Bible every day? You could get hold of the Passion Translation and see how that changes your perspective on texts that you might be really familiar with. You could try reading through the Bible in one year, start in January, it's coming soon. Uh, read through the Bible in one year and use the Bible in one year app. Share your best Bible reading hacks with each other this week. And maybe you're listening to me and you'll think, well, that's great for you, Louis, and you managed to read the Bible, but I'm just not really feeling that inspired about it at the moment, and it just never quite seems to happen. And I want to tell you today, I absolutely relate. There's always a diversion, there's always a distraction, there's always something else that kind of wants to pull me away. When uh, we had Joseph, our, our middle child, after he was born, I had postnatal depression. And I moved into this kind of period of my life where the last thing I really wanted to do was pray um, or read the Bible even. And I had so many massive questions in my mind around the character of God whether he could be really there if uh, the things that were going on in my world then were happening, how could he be loved? And the only way that I could really read the Bible was just to pick up the Psalms and to read a little bit of those very depressive Psalms that David wrote when he had depression. 
and that's all I could stomach in that season. I was clinging on, if you like, to the tiniest crumb of the bread of life. And if that's where you are today, if you're clinging on, I just want to encourage you, hold on. Because in those verses in John 6 we've read tonight, Jesus promises that he will feed you. He will satiate your thirst. I wonder if you've ever read the Old Testament book of Ezekiel. It's one of my favorites. Ezekiel is called to be a prophetic preacher. Uh, He has this vision where he literally sees himself eating a scroll of scripture. I'm not sure how that tasted. Not sure I actually want to literally try it. Um, But God says to him, and it's recorded in Ezekiel 3, Son of man, eat this scroll that I am giving you and fill your stomach with it. So I ate it and it tasted as sweet as honey in my mouth. What I don't want to suggest to you today is that you begin some cerebral course of uh, reading scripture. And maybe that sounds odd from someone who's in their second round of studying theology. But there's a reason that Jesus says that he is the bread of life and not the Bible study notes of life. Because bread is physical, it's substantial, it goes right into the core of our bodies. And that is exactly where Jesus wants to be in your life. This isn't about increasing knowledge of scripture. I'm talking about engaging your heart, your guts, your emotions with the word of God. And you can't do that if the only time that you hear the word of God read to you or that you really engage with it is on a Sunday when you come to church. You need to feed daily. And as you approach scripture, how are you approaching it as you pick it up to read? Do you come trusting that God will speak to you? The psalmist says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Every day, God has a good word for you in the Bible a word that's relevant today to your financial deal, a word that's relevant to that difficult colleague that you're kind of struggling with how to uh, talk to and work with, a word relevant to your tantruming child that you're trying to figure out how to parent, a word relevant to that marital argument that just seems to come back round the block every week, A a word that's relevant to a life that's been turned upside down by the arrival of a new baby. Secondly, tonight I want to encourage you to feed in prayer. Prayer is the most incredible gift of God to us. And you can't earn the right to pray. You can't earn the right to feed on Jesus and to be with him in prayer. He sacrificed himself for you on the cross so that you can come to him daily, however you feel, whatever you've done, to say sorry to him and then be replenished and sustained and fed by his love. He says, I'm the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never go thirsty. That verse is reminding us that we just need to come. We just need to believe. You see, the disciples, when Jesus said this, thought he would then go on to say, well, you've got to do a whole bunch of good works and good deeds in order to please me. But no, he surprised them because he said to feed, you only need to come. You only need to believe. So what does this uh, daily feeding on prayer actually look like? 
I don't know about you, but in this month of lockdown, I'm finding that any time that I get to spend face to face in real life with a real human person and a friend is such a blessing. Just a simple walk along t alongside uh, the Thames, perhaps with a delicious flat white um, in hand is such a gift at the moment. Today, I'm inviting you to invest in a friendship with Jesus just like that, to be with him, to listen actively to him, to enjoy him, and just to feast on his goodness. Walking along the riverbank is also my favourite way to pray at the moment, and I often begin my prayer walk by listening to an app. It's um, called Pray As You Go. It's an Ignatian reflection on scripture. It's about 12 minutes long and that enables me to engage with the word and in prayer. And then I find by, by the end of that 12 minutes, I'm kind of out of my own head of worries and concerns about whatever has been going on that day. And I, I can kind of move into the flow of just being present with God and allowing him to just be present to me. And then I might pray in tongues or I might just soak in some worship music in that time. And I try to just have a few minutes in silence, however uncomfortable that may feel. This contemplative type of prayer that I'm talking about today is not simply about eating in order to live in the hurried way that we so often do, but it's about living in order to eat. It's not just about ticking off the prayer time, being like, done, off the to-do list, move on, or giving God that big shopping list of needs that we have today. But it's about the joy of reveling in prayer, of lingering in prayer. I challenge you to be late for a work meeting this week because you were reveling in a time of prayer with the Lord. We don't pray in order to live. We live in order to pray. Some of us during this lockdown 2.0 have been afforded a bit of extra time in our week. And I wonder what you're actually doing with it. This isn't a time to nurture a Netflix habit, friends, or a porn habit, or a drinking habit. This is a time to develop a prayer habit. Thirdly, I want to encourage you to feed together. This is a work that we do together and for each other. Every time we say the Lord's Prayer together like we did earlier this evening, we affirm our need as one body for God to give us our daily bread. It's actually a statement of our communal weakness. It's a declaration not of independence, but of dependence. Every time we take the Eucharist, the communion meal together, we remind each other of our need to feed on Jesus together. Together, we're choosing to be a dependent people. Jesus' invitation to feed on him is one of the reasons that we can't actually be a churchless Christian. And if you want to raise your children to know Jesus, then you need to feed on him. If you want to be a light in your workplace, then you need to feed on him. If you want to face aging and illness with courage and with grace, then you need to feed on Jesus Christ. You see, when we're physically hungry and we eat, then our hunger goes away. But when we feed on Jesus in prayer and in the word of God, our hunger actually grows. Our soul is recognizing that the very deepest need we have is for the nourishing love of Jesus. 
We need that nourishment as a church together because we have this exciting shared mission to make Jesus known and to grow disciples. When we feed on Christ, we have food to give away to another. Pete Gregg says in the prayer course, which we've been doing as a life group this term, contemplative prayer is what makes our mission sustainable and meaningful. It's where we refuel. When Christ fills us and feeds us, the possibility of living in satisfaction opens up. The possibility of living an integrated life opens up. And the possibility of living a sustained mission for Jesus opens up. Your invitation today is to be fed and refueled by Jesus, to be sustained by him. Let's take a moment now together just to invite the Holy Spirit to come again and to touch us as we respond to this word. So I invite you at home, wherever you are, just uh, to open yourself up now to the work of the Spirit. You might want to physically open your hands as a sign of that. You might want to stand uh, where you are. Let's just take a moment of quiet. And in this time, I just um, encourage you to invite God to feed you and to sustain you again. Invite him to sustain you for this week ahead to come. Lord, anyone who comes to you and asks you will feed. This food is free because of your death on the cross for us. You paid for us to have your bread. And your bread is a gift to us. We want to receive it today, thankfully. Father God, I receive this bread today. Teach me what it looks like to feed on you daily. Bring me revelation, Lord, now on how to feed on you in this season of my life. Grow my hunger for you today. Give me life and re renew me from within. We pray all this in your name, Jesus. Amen.